everybody. This is Mark Tiberius Lemke, Chicago Blackhawks fan. Uh, this podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, and you can help support the Batman Universe by heading to patreon.com slash the Batman Universe. Now, Tim, now that that's over with, I have to ask you, what did you think about Game of Thrones Season 7? Well, how many hours do we have for this podcast? But uh, <laughs> uh, Before I answer that, though, I should say, hopefully those who are listening to this episode notice a change in quality of my voice. Oh, right. Yeah. I finally got a new headset and mic to re- record podcasts with. <laughs> Yesterday, I had to say goodbye to my faithful, generic PS3 headset that I got back in 2011 to use for DC Universe Online when that first came out. But as with most MMO games, I fell behind and didn't play it too long after. So Really? You played that? Very shortly, for like a few uh, months. So so, so in that game, you you can play as Batman? or No, you create your own character, but no. you choose a mentor to kind of base your abilities on. Like those, You could choose Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman. I, of course, chose Batman as my mentor, but Batman's throughout. You can talk to Batman, and it gives you missions, so that was cool. But MMOs, it's always the same old story. I get into it, but then the people I play with play a lot longer than I do, yeah. and they get way leveled up. They're way ahead than I am, and I just kind of give up. <laughs> or like, okay, you guys are way far advanced. I can't really play with you and the missions you're going to do. And, you know, MMOs, they keep going on and on and on. It's really... <laughs> yeah. They almost have no end that comes in. I like games, you know, that have a definitive ending that you could, you know, just move on to the next one. So. Yeah, I mean, that's that's usually the problem with most most games nowadays, um, I'd say, for me. It's, I just can't commit, you know, however many hours to it. You know, I can't exactly you know, c- come home from work every day and sit on my PS4 or my computer for... I don't know, five hours after exactly. that, right? <laughs> I yep. mean, I know. I don't like playing for too long. I mean, two hours. If I'm really into a game, three or four hours would be about like five or eight hours in one sitting. Like, I can never do that. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah, so with that, I had to use that headset for something. And then when we first started podcasting, Dan, like, oh, you, when you told me what I need, oh, you just need a Skype headset, mic, and all that. I go, oh, I got one sitting in my closet right now that I'm not using. <laughs> <laughs> And it's been with me ever since. Every single podcast I've recorded has been on that PS3 mic. I think the brand name was Rocketfish. Rocketfish. <laughs> yeah, it's not the most subtly <laughs> recognizable brand name out there, but Are they still around. Certainly, well. I mean, do they still make uh, headsets? Or? I don't think so, because when I was shopping for this new one, I didn't see any Rocketfish uh, <laughs> okay. uh, brands out there. But yeah, so I went with uh, Turtle Beach. It's one of those headsets that it's technically designed for a PS4, but you can use it on anything with the USB port that I have. So, uh, so far, so good. I I can hear you a lot better, Dan. Now it's uh, headphones that have covers both ears, not just one like the other (laughs) one. But if it lasts as long as my generic PS3 headset did, which was about six years, uh, I'll be more than happy with it. So I think I should have a little moment of silence for my Rocketfish generic PS3 headset. Yeah, I mean that thing is—I don't know how it lasted six years, Tim. I mean, if it's just, <laughs> if, if it starts off as a generic headset, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm surprised you made it last that long. I know I made it last as long as I could. The this earpiece of it, 
like the foam that was on it was all falling apart. Yeah. And when I'd be done recording a podcast, there'd be black stuff on my ear. Like, what's this? Oh, it's from my headset. <laughs> Foam piece of it. Like, then the volume would act up where I have to fiddle with the cable or the volume just to, and I kind of have to have my finger on it for, for a whole recording session just so I can hear you and whoever I'm recording with on the other end. I was like, I just better go ahead and get a new one. I podcast enough where it'll make it worth it. So. <laughs> It'd be funny if you, if you had all that black stuff all over your face or all over the side of your face and you went out <laughs> I know. to some place. <laughs> thing I always go wash my hands as much as I do and check the mirrors. <laughs> I can notice a lot of stuff. But, uh, so yes, hopefully better quality sound coming from me in future episodes. So why did you need a headset for um, the the DC game? Universe, DC Universe Online. Uh, just whoever I play with. I know my brothers had it too, so we could oh. chat and whoever else we play with using the headset. So, so that game is like an online game, kind of like a mm-hmm. yeah, kind of like Destiny. Or, yeah, uh, it's a, strictly an MMO though, kind of you know like Warcraft or World of Warcraft, oh, Final oh. Fantasy Eleven. Yeah, like one of those. You got to like get all your uh, armor and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, mm. yeah. Not for me, but yeah, those games. Yeah, I haven't played an MMO since because I just never finished them or were able to. You know, I get into it for a little bit. Like I said, I always everyone always moves so far ahead of me. By the time I'm able to join, I'm so far back. It's not worth it to me. So yeah, yeah. And plus, too, I get kind of bored after a while. You know, because uh, mm. I, I played uh, I played Destiny, and after a while, it just it's like the same thing over and over again. You know. Yeah, I know what you mean. Mm. And it's like, uh, you know, I can either spend five hours trying to do this thing, or I can go outside you know? <laughs> <laughs> or do something or play another video game yeah play another video game yeah like but, uh, yeah they're go ahead Tim I was gonna say I know they're very popular people love them oh yeah my, I'm sure my brother's a big fan of them too but I just like I've started about three of them and never really got fully into it with uh, Final Fantasy 11 oh. DC Universe Online and uh, City of Heroes when that came out oh I I thought they made three DC universes. Uh, <laughs> like, they had oh, a lot man. of expansions, though. So, like I said, yeah. it's one of those games that seems to never end. They just keep adding stuff to it. Plus, I think you got, I mean, to play that um, kind of game, I think you have to be one of those people that um, like to get everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah, because you need a lot of good stuff to, to advance to, to those, you know, later ports of the games and the hard bosses and all that, so... Yeah, you just got to spend time just to earn, you know, armor or money to buy armor or get rare items and all that stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, I can't really do that. Not, not, <laughs> not now. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, but yes, back to yeah. the main question. Yeah, uh, Game of Thrones. What did you think about it? Yeah, I thought it was a great season, despite being so short. <laughs> I guess that's the biggest yeah. uh, downside to it all. And um, man, just the way it. It was kind of weird where there was stuff you expected to happen and it did, but it was still great to see. And at the same time, there was moments where I should have seen something coming, but I was so into the episode, I didn't. <laughs> it was still a surprise. And this is my first time watching a full season as it aired because I just got caught up on the whole series last summer. So this was the first time watching it as it was airing on TV. And it was a little weird seeing a new episode. I couldn't go to the next one right away because <laughs> I was used to doing that so much last year. But yeah, I mean, the stage is set for what should be a pretty big final season, but I like the most of the direction they took 
the characters and where they're at now. And there were some lot of great sequences in this season. But I mean, episode four, the spoils of war, Daenerys' attack on the Lannister army with her dragon Drogon, that was awesome. And the there's like almost I don't want to say every episode, but almost like every other episode, there was a pretty big action sequence, which you know is not the case for a whole season, but this one probably had the most, uh, which was cool. So yeah, I thought it was really good overall. And the finale episode, that was the one where uh, I will say it was, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was great, but there was something about, I guess we'll spoil spoilers out there for those who haven't seen it yet, but the reveal of uh, finally them confirming, which we already know John, actually being Rhaegar Targaryen's son, and then finally confirming that, saying his real name is Aegon Targaryen. There was just something about the way that was revealed between Jon and Sam, I mean, not Jon and Sam, Bran and Sam, that didn't have the big impact I was hoping for, where the season six finale, where it got revealed that, yeah, Jon is the son of Lyanna Stark, and they didn't say it then, but we assumed, yeah, Rhaegar was his father. I just loved how that played out where we got the flashback sequence with a young Ned Stark uh, with his uh, sister before she died, telling him, you know, the truth about John and to keep it a secret, his heritage. And as we get that moment, the music swelling up, we get that close up shot of the baby. Then it, the next scene is just cut to Jon Snow and you just know, you know, that's who he was. I just thought that was directed beautifully, was edited perfectly. The music was perfect. This reveal didn't have that same impact. That I think it should have had. I was kind of hoping where when uh, we I was hoping that when the show did tell us, yeah, Rhaegar is John's father, it would be by Bran actually telling John that and not just, you know, with Sam kind of being the one he's telling that to. And then, of course, Sam served a purpose by telling him, yeah, but uh, he's legit. <laughs> you know, they were married. They got, his previous marriage was annulled and all that. So he is the rightful heir to the throne. But we're kind of have to go to go through this again in season eight. John still has to find out. So <laughs> we're kind of have to be told a third time about this where I thought, you know, they would have done it one more with Brand telling John and that would be the way they tell the audience. So that was probably my biggest nitpick about it. But I'm excited to where it's going to, you know, end with season eight and where things are at. Just the only question is, when are we going to see season eight? Because uh, there's talk about maybe being like a year and a half wait, almost two year wait because of going to start filming in october i believe but post-production may take a while <laughs> with this one with probably as many epic battles there's going to be and the effects needed so it might be a little while i'm hoping it's the same as what it was for season seven if not just a little bit longer maybe a fall premiere for 2018 which shouldn't be too bad but yeah overall i was really happy with it all right so we we tried to text about this tim but it yes. just wasn't <laughs> uh coming through so Lyanna Stark, now spoiler alerts for everybody, I guess. So Lyanna Stark is Sean Bean's sister. Yes. Ned Stark, right? Mm-hmm. And Lyanna Stark was supposed to marry that fat guy, right? Yeah, Robert Baratheon. Ro- Robert Baratheon. Sorry, I forgot his name for a second. <laughs> Um, well, your description was accurate. So. <laughs> yeah. But Ned and Robert thought that um, I forget the guy's name. Uh, they thought that uh, John's dad kidnapped Lyanna. Yeah, Rhaegar Targaryen. Mm-hmm. But in reality, 
um, they got married. Yeah. And the annulment to his other wife mm-hmm. was, I mean, the, the, the marriage to the other wife was annulled so yes. that he could uh-huh. marry Liana. Correct. And then they, she got pregnant and they had John and then she died in childbirth. Yes. And Danny is John's auntie. Yeah. Okay. So so who so who was that that brother guy in the first season? Okay. So yeah, Rhaegar, John's dad, Daenerys, yeah. and her brother in season one, Viserys. They're all siblings. They're oh, the okay. children. They're the children of the Mad King Ares. So he had three son- or three children, and it, those are you know Rhaegar, Danny, and Viserys. Yeah. And so they, so uh, Ned and Robert, they led a rebellion against the king because of Lyanna. Yeah, so that was that was the start of the chain of events. Because I can give you a little history lesson here. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, everything no, no, started. No, just when, go slow. Just go slow. Okay. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, it'll hopefully be much better than what I tried to tell you in text form. Yeah. <laughs> So the whole thing started was Rhaegar Targaryen, yeah. the prince, held a, ter- a tournament uh, in Harrenhal. The tournament of Harrenhal is what it's referred to. And okay. he won that tournament. Is that like and, a fighting tournament? Or like a yeah, like a, joust, a jousting tournament. Oh, okay. Yeah. So he won that tournament. And what tradition is, like the winner of that presents flowers to, you know, their beloved or their betrothed. And instead of giving it to his wife... Elia Martell, uh, he went past her and gave it to Leanna Stark. And that kind of drew tons of suspicion. Oh, like, oh, okay, what's going on here? Yeah, <laughs> you know, right, especially right. with Robert Baratheon. So, so he was already married then, too. Not yet. They were never married. You mean Robert or Leanna or Rhaegar? No, uh, Rhaegar and uh, the Martell. Yeah, they were married already. They were married already. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, so she was supposed to be the. Um, uh, she she was supposed to be the next queen then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So after that happened, you know, that raised tons of eyebrows and suspicion. But then, and then, like you said, uh, Liana went missing and it, it was, you know, they went out, Rhaegar kidnapped her. And that set off Ned Stark's older brother, uh, Brandon Stark, and his father. You know, they went to uh, the Mad King to, you know, demand that Rhaegar be brought to justice and to bring their sister back. But instead, the Mad King killed both of them. He burned Ned Stark's father and, you know, his his son died too. Uh, and that's what really started the war. After that happened, you know, Robert and Ned and John Aaron, uh, who was like their, pretty much Robert and Ned's second father, so to speak, yeah. were, they were like, okay, he's not fit to rule. We have to take him down here. <laughs> and that's what started the rebellion. And once, you know, Robert eventually won, he killed Rhaegar in the Battle of the Trident. And, you know, that, you know, that was the end of it as far as, you know, Rhaegar Targaryen, but they still had to claim the Iron Throne. And that's I think that's the other thing you were texting me about, like how uh, the Mad King got killed and all that and how Robert won it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because, so, like, like, I don't understand how... Because I, I thought... John's dad was the the king. Not yet. Mm. Yeah. It, so. Yeah. Right. Right. 
he he's so still he, yeah, he, yeah he died before his father died but not too long <laughs> not too yeah. long before so so, the so king, all those scenes um you know it's ned the the young ned um mm-hmm. uh going into that tower thing yeah and uh bran realizes that his father lied mm-hmm. about um the sword fighting thing that is what him rescuing his sister yeah so after okay. you know robert killed rhaegar and got the iron throne because after the events of the battle of trident where robert killed rhaegar targaryen uh, yeah. the mad king you know was it was pretty much finished though tywin lannister came in you know with his army to sack king's landing he actually came like as a friend because he was the hand of the king and uh the mad king Aerys let him in but once he did uh, Tywin Lannister sat King's Landing and you know was taking over yeah. and that's when the Mad King thought okay just burn the whole city down burn it and that's when Jamie Lannister stabbed him in the back and killed him hence the yeah. King's player <laughs> yeah right right so and Ned Stark came to King's Landing shortly after that like, he was the first one to see Jamie Lannister like on the Iron Throne after he killed Ares. so the whole sequence of the Tower of Joy where uh, Ned finds his sister that happens after that's like the last sequence of Robert's rebellion. Ned left King's Landing and then went to that tower to find his sister, and that's where he got John. <laughs> so okay. hopefully that answers most of your question. Is a little bit of a history of what started pretty much the whole story. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, it, it it doesn't help that like ninety eight percent of this happens off screen, you know, exactly, yeah, <laughs> or or before the show even starts. Mm-hmm. So so yeah. Yeah, I was just curious about the, like, who is tied to who, and, you know, how come, you know, there was that flashback scene where, where, um, Bran goes and sees that his father lied about that whole fight thing, Mm -hmm. and, you know, who was John's dad, because I was confused about who, who John's dad was, because, like, I'm, I'm not really familiar with the, uh, uh, Daenerys' family, so um, mm-hmm. you know, just confused. And yeah. um, so, so who's um, who's that old uh, Tyrell lady? Okay, yeah, they're just you know one of the main uh, kingdoms, part of the Seven Kingdoms, yeah. or one of the main families. Right, right. They, uh, make, they make all the food. For the, yeah, their house yeah. Tyrell. Yeah, they're yeah. very wealthy and you know have a good source of like grain and all that stuff. So, so who is that old lady again? She was pretty much the last living member of the Tyrell family who, you know, ruled that area of the Seven Kingdoms. So when, okay. she, when she got killed in the third episode of the season, that's pretty much it for that house's line. The Tyrells are pretty much wiped out because oh, she was the grandmother of Loras and Marjorie Tyrell, who uh, got blown up in the season six finale by Cersei and the Sept. Yeah, yeah. And, oh. their, fa- and their grandfather, yeah. Okay, so what happened to the that Tyrell that was supposed to marry uh, Rhaegar. Uh, okay, you're probably getting the Martell, you mean. Martell, sorry. Yeah, yeah. some of the names are yeah. a little sound familiar. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, she got killed when uh, Tywin Lannister came into King's Landing and sacked it. The mountain actually killed her. Because Rhaegar had two other kids before he had Jon, and they were killed by the mountain once... Uh, Tywin Lannister sacked King's Landing. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. I, 
I think I'm, I think I've got it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> At least content with the basic knowledge. Of it. Yeah, because I mean, this this all this happens off screen, like I said, and they expect you to know all this, I guess. <laughs> Especially, like I said, I'm kind of familiar with it because, like, I just watched it last year. Yeah. So, and plus, I don't know if you ever watched them, but on YouTube they have uh, like one of the special features on all the Blu-rays for each season. It's called the history and lore, and those are really cool. Like, it's pretty much artwork, and but you got narration by one of the actors pertaining to a particular history event that ties with what happened in the season, and they tell a lot about Robert's Rebellion, like pretty early on in the season one one. So. If you're ever looking for a refresher on some of the histories that's happened, those are the best sources. That's where I learned a lot about this stuff. So those are, were very helpful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, this is, at this point, it's really confusing <laughs> for me. <laughs> I mean, you know, about uh, six years ago since season one. So <laughs> you should see me because uh, I actually read the first book. Mm. And um, this was before the show came out. And. I was even confused until I actually saw that first season of Game of Thrones. Sure, yeah, I know. I know it could be daunting. Even when I bought the books last year yeah. at Barnes and Noble, the cash register is like, "Oh, I'm too scared to, you know, even attempt to dive into this world." <laughs> it seems so daunting. Yeah, well, I mean, is, it, isn't they, every book like, like a thousand pages? Almost. Yeah. I mean, they, the thing is, I think even in the show, sometimes they throw a lot of names out at you right away. So it can be a little hard to keep track. But once as you keep watching and get familiar with this, then you start putting the pieces together and knowing who's who and who's related to who and all that. You just kind of have to stick with it, I think. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's only going to get more confusing. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> but I'm here for you, Dane, now. So. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, at least you understand it so you can explain it to me. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that's that's our um, uh, Mark Tiberius Lemke uh, Game of Thrones podcast history lesson. History I guess. lesson, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but now we can do our Dark Knight Rises minute by minute commentary. This is the hour and a half mark, uh, ninety minutes to uh, or the ninetieth minute to the ninety first minute, Tim. Hard to believe we're we made it. Making progress. We only got we're like an hour and fifteen minutes left to go, so we only have seventy-five more episodes to do this. And they're gonna go by like that. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, just queue up your VHS tape, your um, HD DVD, your um, laser disc, your beta, your projector. Your and now, Tim, don't forget your blockbuster um, rental, right, Tim? How could I forget? That's my main source of watching new movies. <laughs> or your uh, GameStop uh, buy the DVD, <laughs> DVD trade in, <laughs> DVD trade in, yeah. <laughs> or your Netflix uh, physical media rental. As long as right. you got all those stuff, yeah. you're all set. Yeah, Join especially us. <laughs> those last three. I'm um, just queue it up to the 90th minute, minute, and I'm gonna give the countdown. So, Tim, are you ready? Let's do it. All right, three, two, one, hit play. So we see John Blake's car flipping over. Yeah. I always like this shot right here, where all the bridges to Gotham just start crumbling into the water right there. Yeah, I didn't see that the first time I. Uh, 
I watched the trailer. Mm-hmm. This was just like a low quality thing. And the police are all trapped. But again, not all of them. Not just, all of them. <laughs> just 98%. 99%. Yeah. <laughs> Are we going to make it to that cool scene? Or did it already happen? Oh, it already happened. Right? Which one are you talking about? Um, with the guy running. The, um, oh, yeah. Program. We got that last one. Uh, See, the headset Bane's using right there? Yeah. Kind of similar to the one I have right now with my new one, except there's two earpieces. <laughs> that yeah. one, but it's about that size. You know, I've been to a football game, and you wouldn't be able to hear him that clearly. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, probably not even more so with all the commotion going on yeah, with no. people being scared and having guns pointed <laughs> at them, the explosion <laughs> happening. Yeah. But yeah, that's our minute-by-minute uh, minute commentary. Um, making progress, slowly but surely. You made it to another big sequence, though. So. Yeah, another big sequence. But uh, why don't you tell? T- uh, I was about to say, why don't you tell Tim about our feature topic <laughs> for this episode, Tim? <laughs> Uh, well, well, Tim, are you ready? Yes, I am, Tim. <laughs> well, I kind of had to do that the two episodes ago where I was just by oh, myself. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> you had to talk to yourself. <laughs> but, yeah, so this episode is going to be, our feature topic for this episode is going to be my review of the Batman and Harley animated movie. This finally got came out on Blu-ray about a week or two ago, watched it last weekend. And I know going into it, I've heard a lot of things about it. Some people were absolutely hating it, saying it's, the worst thing since Batman and Robin and then others I know loved it. I know Jordan sent us an email saying he really liked it. Then also on other social media outlets on Facebook and stuff, I've seen people really enjoy it. So I was going in, I don't know, kind of expecting moments of it to be bad, but other moments of it to be enjoyable. And that's kind of what I came out of it from. There was stuff I enjoyed, but a lot of stuff that, you know, I wish they didn't go there and just kind of rolled my eyes and stuff. The big thing is they just went overboard with the humor a bit for me, especially when they were trying to, you know, make it like a continuation of Batman, the animated series, which they did a good job at the points where it was serious and it did feel like it. But then it just kind of went, you know, totally in a different direction with the humor. So it just felt really inconsistent to me. So I thought it started off good enough. Like the first 15 minutes of it, 15 minutes of it was really cool. I mean, it felt like, you know, what I was hoping it would be a new episode of Batman, the animated series I, with Batman and Nightwing, their interaction st- together started off really cool. And again, the highlight of the movie is Batman and Nightwing being voiced by Kevin Conroy and Lauren Lester. I mean, this is the first time I've heard them work together. And since the new Batman adventures, ended and it was just great i mean lauren lester hasn't missed a beat he still sounds perfect as dick Grayson and nightwing and just hearing the banter that him and bruce would have was just you know it was just great to hear that again so all that was great and even the stuff and harley too at the beginning i thought was done really well uh melissa rouch i thought did good overall as harley um you know no one's gonna top arlene sarkin and as my opinion but i thought melissa rouch was probably the second best i've heard i think she's a little better than tara strong now she does it in the Arkham games and some of the other animated stuff. So I thought she voiced the character good. And the probably the best part of the movie for me is when her and Nightwing, Nightwing first confronts her about, you know, trying to get her help to take down or to find Poison Ivy. And they had a pretty cool fight sequence there. And, you know, Joker, or Joker wasn't mentioned a lot, pretty much at all, except that one little fight sequence where Harley used one of his uh, 
Joker toxins to infect Robin with a little needle when in their skirmish they had. It was a fun little skirmish, and then you know seeing Harley get the best best of Nightwings by you know sneakily stabbing him with some Joker toxin was kind of cool. But uh, things kind of start going downhill for me when uh, Harley gets into the Batmobile. That's when the humor for it kind of starts you know going a little too overboard. Especially a moment where uh, I hate to say it, I didn't even I shouldn't even been saying this. There's a fart joke <laughs> in a Batman animated movie that oh, went no. on far too long. <laughs> like Harley saying she has to use the restroom, but they have no time to stop. And then Harley, you know, like okay, if, if you're not going to stop, and then you just hear this long fart sequence. It's like then Nightwing's all like holding his nose, like oh, Batman, I got to stop. And Batman's all, it's not so bad. And then Harley does it again, and then. Robin's Nightwing's losing it, and then Batman starts to lose, and then they finally pull over. It's just nah, not the kind of humor I expect or even want to have in one of these animated movies. And then there is another sequence in there where it started off. I thought, oh, this is a cool little you know nod and uh, Easter eggs for some for diehard Batman the animated series fans because they go to this uh, shady bar that you know all the people inside are thugs and like side characters we saw in Batman the Animated Series. We got Captain Clown there. He's dancing with uh, the Miranda, the Hardak robot from Heart of Steel. You got Two-Face's uh, twin henchman from the first episode with Two-Face. And then, you know, Joker's thugs from throughout various episodes of Batman the Animated Series. So I thought that was really cool. But then uh, we got a moment that was very similar to the Harley Quinnade sequence in the Animated Series where she uh, starts singing at the nightclub that was really cool in that episode. This one, I know what they were going for. They wanted to do something a little different. She sings this, uh, like like this punk rock song, and you know the performance of it was okay. But then you get everybody in the bar starting to dance to it, which is fine. They're just side characters. But then you see uh, Nightwing start doing the monkey dance, like getting into it. It's just like uh, really. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think Nightwing would be you know, losing his composure and be joining the fun and start dancing and doing the monkey. They did something at the beginning where, you know, where Batman was just tapping his fingers on the desk. You know, that was a good, you know, funny way to acknowledge that. Yeah, it's a fun, upbeat song. You can't heart, you can't help but get into the beat a little bit. But, you know, Batman just does it in that casual way and Nightwing gives him a funny look. And that was funny. But then when you see Nightwing go all in, start doing the monkey, it's like, uh, okay, like I said, a little too overboard. And then, after that, uh, there was a sequence the end sequence of that bar uh, scene was where, you know, the group of all those thugs are about to attack Batman. And that would have been a cool fight scene to see. But what they did, I mean, again, going with that humor, uh, Batman had this weird facial expression. That was another thing. There's a lot of weird facial expressions in this movie with Batman. And, you know, the, instead of showing the fight, it just fades outside of the of the bar and you get the Adam West, pal, bam, you know. Uh, visuals pop on your screen but they say different things i don't remember what they say what they were you know trying to be more funny but it wasn't so just stuff like that that takes me out of it you know with the humor and then it, it's the movie like i said it it starts out good has a slow point then there's another good sequence where batman nightwing and harley find harley or find poison ivy and the pharonic uh, man and the scientists they kidnapped and the scientist gets killed in the battle it's a pretty fun battle sequence too and then the their hideout gets destroyed and it's on fire. And as Nightwing and Batman come out of the rubble, they see Harley there trying to, you know, comfort the scientist who is about to die. I thought it was a good moment and a nice side of Harley showing, you know, that she's not, 
you know, fully all evil. She does have a compassionate side. And I just like how the story they started with Harley, where she is truly trying to turn a new leaf and do good in society. She has uh, a job as a waitress as a DC restaurant, which is pretty funny. I have to say, seeing all these silver age visuals of classic DC characters. And even what she and Nightwing were talking in one sequence where uh, he asked her, you know, why are you just uh, doing that type of work? And she's like, I tried to, you know, become, you know, return as a psychiatrist and be a doctor, but everyone, I keep getting refused. So I have no choice but to do what I do waiting on table. So I just like how they handled Harley trying to do truly be good, but then, you know, still struggling to do that. And the sequence where she was comforting the scientist who was dying was a nice moment of showing that, yeah, she is, you know, trying to truly be a good person. So that was good. But then the ending sequence happened. Uh, it didn't end on a good note for me where they find uh, poison ivy in the uh, pharaonic man in the woods because their whole plan is to pretty much turn everyone into you know uh, plant people like them so they would stop destroying earth because they would need it to survive type of thing to be more like them and they were going to set off this bomb and they have this fight and I thought it was going to end in a climactic way where Swamp Thing shows up because they tease Swamp Thing in the beginning of it and how you know they're trying to duplicate that accident what happened to with swamp thing so swamp thing does show up at the end when it looks like they can't beat the pharaonic man he showed it was a pretty cool sequence where he just comes out of the swamp is very huge and you know telling him you know you're, you're what you're doing against the the green is wrong and all that but then he goes or some to that effect like he was gonna dispense justice on the pharaonic man and then he just goes but who am i to judge or to do anything about it? something to that effect i'm paraphrasing here i can't remember his right dialogue but he just simply goes back down to the swamp and does nothing. It was just played for a humorous sequence where he was all powerful, but he's not going to do anything about it. And then the, how the movie ends, the very last shot is Batman and Nightwing trying to figure out how they're going to stop him. And Harley's trying to get their attention. It's like, hey, why don't we try? But they keep interrupting her. And she just goes, hey, why don't we try lighting him on fire? And they just look at each other like, oh, yeah. And she lights a match. And the last shot of the movie is her lighting the match. And then Batman and Nightwing just go up and kiss her on the cheek like oh you like oh, that's our Harley type thing and it was just like so out of place I'm like really that's how you're ending it and uh, yeah so unfortunately it's not going to go down as one of my favorite animated movies the humor was way too over the top for me in certain aspects Forced, would you say yeah that's yeah. a good word to use it too I just wish it, I mean if it wanted to be a full blown comedy type movie go for it and but they were trying to I think have the best of both worlds where they're trying to do comedy but yet having it be like Batman the animated series and they just didn't mesh well together so yeah unfortunately I'm more on the disappointed or disappointed side of things but I don't necessarily hate it and think it's the worst thing since Batman and Robin (laughs) you got to be pretty bad to reach that level but it was on the disappointing side for me because I was really excited about it being you know a cool continuation of batman the animated series so i'd probably give it two and a half out of five um i will say though it was kind of cool that on twitter i gave my reaction to it kind of saying the same thing where i thought the humor was a little too overboard and it didn't work for me i actually got a response from the director uh, sam uh, Liu. he just responded saying you know that's a, a valid criticism and i don't mind it and i thought that was cool that he responded because i'm sure he's seen a lot of flack for this movie like i said there's some people going to the extreme saying it's the worst thing ever and the, and the disgrace and it's not 
really that. So yeah. I guess maybe he appreciated a, you know, a fair criticism for it, but not necessarily bashing it and the work that they did. Because, I mean, these guys have been doing these movies for 10 years now. They did a great job for the most part. So of course, you're going to have some that's not going to work for everybody. And doing that many movies, I can understand them wanting to try to do something different like this, having it more towards the comedy aspect. So I just wish they would have went all in on that on that front and not try to mix it in with the Batman the animated series style of seriousness. So it was just a nice exchange between, you know, me as a fan and someone who created that and, you know, just giving a different opinion, but still being respectable to each other. <laughs> I thought that was nice. So, uh, yeah, the Batman and Harley, uh, like I said, 2.5, not the greatest and not the worst ever. But I will say the next animated movie, Batman of uh, Gotham by Gaslight, looks so good. <laughs> It was the preview on the Blu-ray. I saw the one that, like I said in the last episode, that came online. But seeing on the Blu-ray and on my TV, it just looks really, really good. So I can't wait for that one. All right. So it's it's uh, it's a rent for me, right? So yeah. I, I, I can't recommend a purchase for it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, because so, I usually wait for your reviews to, to, watch, to watch these movies. So, mm-hmm. yeah, maybe I'll rent it. Yes. Like I said, there'll probably be certain moments that you'll like, but then again, <laughs> moments where you might be scratching your head a little bit. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I guess now we can move on to our uh, news. Mm-hmm. And Tim, you know what our oh. first thing is? Oh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> can you believe uh, it? Batman the Animated Series turned 25 years old. Wow. Can you believe it's that old? I mean, geez, <laughs> a quarter no, of a century now. No, I can't, Tim, because it's like yesterday that I first saw it. I know. I still remember the day. <laughs> and I know we gave, man, see, this is another hard thing to believe. It's five years since we did our 20th anniversary review, up, or not review, but 20th anniversary episode <laughs> where that was our featured topic. Yeah. And that's now five years ago. This time is flying by so fast, so... Yeah, I mean, not going to go in too much on it. Like I said, if you want to hear us celebrate <laughs> Batman the Animated Series, you can listen to episode 12. That's how far back it was. Wow, <laughs> of episode our 12. Yep. Wow. That's where we go in and talk about, you know, what it was like seeing it for the first time, our yeah. favorite episodes and all that. So <laughs> that, that was a fun one, I got to say. But I couldn't let its 25th anniversary go by without acknowledging it and, again, singing the praises that it deserves <laughs> over and over. So... Yeah, Batman the Animated Series, 25 years later, still the greatest interpretation of Batman, in my opinion. And I did my rewatch of this original series last year, and it's it's never going to not hold up. It holds up extremely well <laughs> all these years later, and I think it always will be. It's standing the test of time. And again, coming up with my favorite episode, like top five episodes is I can do. Top ten, I really have to think about it, but there's some... That people like uh, I think I saw a list yesterday where someone ranked all of the episodes. And I'm like, wow, I, I don't know if I could do that. It'd take me forever, or I go crazy thinking about it and I'd end up in Arkham Asylum. <laughs> I'm just trying to rank every single episode. But yeah, if I were, I guess the one thing I will give an update on was my favorite top five favorite episodes of Batman the Animated Series. And I'd probably have to go back and listen to that 20th anniversary episode we did back on episode number 12 to see if they're the same. But Right now, my top five episodes would be uh, number one, Robin's Reckoning, part one. 
And number two is going to be Appointment in Crime Alley. Number three, Over the Edge. Number four, Mad Love. And number five, Feet of Clay. So I think I will have to revisit that episode. See if those are the ones that stayed my top five or if I switched them around a little bit. But right now, as I think about it, those would be my top five. Yeah, and I can't remember where I saw it too, and um, I, I can't remember remember really what it said, but um, uh, like the article was making the case that they, uh, I, I guess they found like a like one of the original documents um, or the pitch documents, um, mm-hmm. and it was something about Bruce Wayne and how they got Bruce Wayne right first before they got the Batman character right. I can't remember what it said though, but I of course agree with it. Yeah. I mean, that's such a hard balance <laughs> to do when you're doing Batman stories, making Batman and Bruce both work so well. And I mean, they knocked it out of the park for both of them. And Kevin Conroy, of course, he always like how he tells the story of him wanting to make Bruce's voice so different than Batman's where, you know, you wouldn't think twice where that this guy was actually Batman just by the way he talked. But I mean, it's it's on perfect display in the very first episode and on Leather Wings where just, the doctor calls him while he's in the Batcave and he's talking to Alfred in his Batman voice. And then he just flicks up the switch to pick up the phone. He's like, hey, what's up, doc? <laughs> like the distinct differences in his voice is just so great. I think he even said recently to uh, in, a, in an article or on Twitter about how uh, he had to tone it down even where he actually made it a little too different and I guess maybe too over the top in trying to not sound like Batman so he even had to tone it down but he, whatever he did he found the perfect balance and so yeah Bruce I mean Bruce Wayne and Batman were just pitch perfect in my opinion of the interpretation of that character which is why it always remains my favorite really Tim it's your favorite I don't know if I said that before but yeah <laughs> <laughs> Well, hopefully this uh, this new show, uh, this Titan Titans show, is going to be your favorite because um, they casted a Nightwing. Um, it's going to be Brenton Thwaites. Is that how you pronounce I'll, that, Tim? I'll go with that because okay. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'll do any better than pronouncing his last name, but it, it sounds good to me. Yeah, because I haven't really seen him in anything. Um, do you, me neither. Do you know what he, yeah. Do you know what he's been in? The only one I really know is he was in the last Pirates of the Caribbean movie that came out this past summer. So okay. that's the only thing I know of him, but yeah. I haven't seen him in anything. So uh, I'm just going to go off by the pictures I see of him. And he, to me, he looks like he can pull off a Dick Grayson slash Nightwing. And he, I think he's like about 28, 29. So they're not going for you know a too too young version of Nightwing, which I like. I mean, young enough, of course, but not going to be you know a teenager or early twenties type thing. So, I'm kind of hoping that uh, the series establishes that you know through he has history, you know, being Robin for a while, and now I'm curious to see if the series will be where he first becomes Nightwing or if he's been Nightwing for a while. So, that should be interesting. I'm kind of hoping it's where he's been Nightwing for a little bit, and you know he's just coming together with the Titans. And for the first time, so but I kind of have a feeling it's going to be where, you know, new group of uh, characters or the heroes of the Titans meeting for the first time. Maybe this will prompt them to become Nightwing. So I mean, either way, it's going to be cool. But I kind of like it where they have that longer history uh, in the back of their pocket type thing that they can draw on for maybe future stories and stuff like that. So 
yeah, I'm excited for it. The casting is coming along for this new Titan series, and we've got Starfire cast, we've got Raven cast, and a few days or a week after uh, Nightwing got cast, uh, we found out Hawk and Dove are going to be in the show, and they've been cast. So, yeah, uh, hopefully we'll be getting some, once they start filming, some pictures of the cast and costume, because that would be our first real tell to see how the series is looking. But I'm excited for it, and should I know the DC streaming service comes out in 2018, and it's not sure if Titans is going to be on there. If anything, it'll probably be late 2018 uh, if Titans is when Titans is going to be on there. But I'm excited for it. So, yeah, this is going to be on that that new streaming thing, right? The yeah. app or whatever. Mm. Yeah, because yeah, I kind of have a feeling it's probably going to launch with Young Justice season three, that new app, and then. You know, hopefully there'll be more content as far as maybe older shows that you can stream on there. That would be cool. And then maybe Titan was, Titans later on in the year. Yeah. Um, well, our next piece of news is that uh, Gavin O'Connor, uh, again, haven't seen his movies. Um, not really. Uh, is going to be writing and directing Suicide Squad 2. Um, and yeah, this, this for me, it's like, why not? I mean, it's, <laughs> uh, at this point, with all of the the rumors and all of the you know speculation about the DC movie universe, why not? I mean, you see, you, you see all the articles, you read all the articles, and I think this is the perfect uh, plug for um, this new Twitter account that I've been following. Um, it's called, uh, or the the Twitter handle is at Film Clickbait. Okay, um, and I, I have to say the, the the people that run this account, I I just thoroughly enjoy it because um, they they take all of these like leading sort of clickbaity uh, articles. Like uh, I'm just looking at this: uh, is the Han Solo movie being remade from scat from scratch? Uh, and this is from Screen Rant. Uh-huh. Um, Pretty much their whole tweet is four pages of recap and speculation doesn't answer the question. Uh, this next one is... I, mean, will, I could answer that question with one word. No, it's not being answered. <laughs> uh, this next one is from Comic Book Movie. Uh, will the Guardians of the Galaxy appear in um, Thor Ragnarok? We may finally have an answer. Um, the tweet is, we don't, they don't know. <laughs> um so yeah like i (laughs) i thoroughly enjoy this twitter account it's uh it's or or here's another one uh james gunn teases this from slash film uh james gunn teases the guardians of the galaxy 3 release date and all they put is in a little under three years (laughs) (laughs) and then i couldn't think of that for myself (laughs) getting the most of that and this finally, I guess this is uh, from Screen Rant. Um, how Hulk traveled to Ragnarok, Ragnarok's alien planet explained, and their tweet is uh, through a wormhole. <laughs> I would be funny if they just said, "Go see the movie." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's all these leading like questions and stuff. Um, you know, like uh, why Colin Trevorrow left Star Wars. He had an ego, egotistical point of view, and he is always asserting that a source of a source told Vulture is pretty much that whole article. But you don't have to read everything, mm-hmm. so it's 
it's it's great. It's like, um, it's 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 kind of like, you know, you see that sort of leading title, and it's like, oh, I don't know if I want to read that. I don't I don't know if I want to read that, an entire article right now. You can just rely on these guys to just tell you the what what, what this sort of article is about. Just so, a bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like it's like Cliff Notes. Like yeah. uh, Ryan jo- Ryan Johnson explains who the Last Jedi is. Uh, this is from the Hollywood Reporter. It's Luke. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which he's already said before. So again, one of those news stories that's making the rounds again, even though yeah. we already knew the answer of it. Or even better, from the Hollywood Reporter again, should Star Wars Episode Nine be delayed? And then the tweet is, uh, with no new info on the progress of the film, the conclusion reached is fans would be okay with it, which doesn't answer the question. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah, <laughs> that does sound like a good source, you know, just getting to the point. I'll probably have to give them a follow now. <laughs> yeah. or, or even this piece of news is, you know, the Suicide, the Suicide Squad sequel has found its director. Instead of clicking on the Variety link, it's Gavin O'Connor. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy with it. I'm uh, you know, I'm great with it because I don't or or here's another one, Tim. One director said he wants to to direct the final Star Wars movie, but will Lucasfilm let him? And do you know who it is? No, who was it? George Lucas. <laughs> oh, in man. in nineteen seventy seven and they don't know. <laughs> wow. So, yeah. <laughs> that, that that's why I like this film account. I I totally recommend everybody following uh, this Twitter account because it's you don't have to read the entire article all you need is the oh it's George Lucas but he said that back in 1977 and they don't really know okay (laughs) well that's just pushing it a little too much what was that site that said that about Lucas Uh, comicbook.com come on (laughs) yeah Lucasfilm is reportedly looking at two very similar faces to help Star Wars 9. No, not George Lucas. Do you know who those two people are? Gee, who were the last few directors who have directed a Star Wars movie? Could it be <laughs> Brian Johnson and J.J. Abrams? Yeah, that's pretty much the tweet. So you don't have to read the entire article from Total Film. Uh, what does The Last Jedi mean? Star Wars director Ryan Johnson reveals the truth. It refers to Luke Skywalker. <laughs> So yeah, I love this. Uh, I love this um, uh, Twitter Twitter account. Yeah, I would have to agree, even though I don't follow him. Is that from what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I sound like a good one. Yeah, just it's, to uh, get to the point. It's at film clickbait. So I'd highly recommend it. But uh, anyway, Gavin O'Connor, Tim. Yeah, again, I'm like you. I haven't seen any of his movies. I know the last one was The Accountant with Ben Affleck, which I've heard was pretty good. I know it didn't blow everyone away, but I've heard good things about it from a few people. It's a, it's a good, solid action flick. So, yeah, I'll be ex- curious and excited to see what he does with Suicide Squad. I guess we should be thankful it wasn't Mel Gibson, <laughs> like those rumors from a few months ago. Cause, yeah. Like, yeah. I didn't want to see his take on the superhero movies, so <laughs> or a comic movies. So I'm kind of glad we avoided that. But yeah, he seems like uh, someone who should be capable with it. I mean, like I said, I haven't seen his movies, but I know just from the accountant. I mean, I think the actors they went on that looked pretty cool. And like I said, I've heard people who said it who really enjoyed it. So we'll see if he can uh, do a Suicide Squad, and hopefully 
where it could be uh, received critically at least <laughs> better than the first one did. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm going to wait for the Tim review on it, you know? Mm. <laughs> so. I, I'm always here for you for that, Dane. Yeah. <laughs> you have nothing to worry where you'll get my true, honest opinion on it. Um, well, here's another one. Will fans get behind Leonardo DiCaprio in the Joker role? <laughs> that, you know, speaking of which, yeah, I don't think we talked about that on the last one because that came out a few days after yeah. the news of the Joker origin film. And, you know, it, it, I don't think it'd be the worst thing in the world if Leonardo DiCaprio was the Joker. And again, I've said this for so many times, ever since Heath Ledger, where I'm never going to, you know, question a casting choice, especially for the Joker, unless, you know, with some, someone who's not an actor, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, so, I mean, I've told the story before how I was not too happy about the Heath Ledger casting when that got announced and then was totally, you know, ate crow when <laughs> after I saw the movie and how great it was. So uh, when you have good talent behind it, even though if you might not see it, when you think of the name, you just have to wait till you see the performance. So I know Leonardo DiCaprio is a good actor and he could probably do something really cool with the Joker if they go that route. But from what I've read too on that, doesn't seem like a very possible choice i know it's i think just what warner brothers would want to happen if that happens i will see but with martin scorsese attached you never know knowing how uh, they like to work together so much but if it does happen i don't think it'd be the worst thing in the world and could be something cool yeah i don't know i mean you're really gonna recast the joker role at this point i know well that's the thing like we talked about last episode, it's not a matter of if, but when and who that they're going to get to play this version of the Joker. Because, yeah, as crazy as it sounds and maybe might not sound like the best idea, it's it's happening regardless of what we think. So we just kind of have to yeah. <laughs> roll with it and see how it turns out. Uh, I don't know. Uh, and, yeah. and isn't Leonardo DiCaprio older now? I mean, isn't he like almost 40? Yeah, that's a that's a good point yeah. actually. Yeah, this is a Joker so origin cast film. Him, cast him older. Yeah, as a Joker, is this going to be an older version of the Joker? Yeah, so to speak. But <laughs> I mean, he may be that old, but he I think he could probably still pull it off. Where he doesn't look, you know, he could still maybe pull it off a younger, like maybe thirties, thirtieth, somewhere around there. Yeah. So, I got, but it, but again, yeah, if they're going to do something that's fully his origin. You would think they'd cast someone kind of young. <laughs> yeah. Um, here's another one. Justice League may have a secret seventh hero if this league is accurate. Here's who it might be. Do you know who it is, Tim? Green Lantern? They don't know, but list all of the obvious <laughs> candidates. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah. <laughs> it might be. Ah, <laughs> uh, bravo. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, that's all of our news for this episode. Um, now we can get into Jordan's email. Yep. As okay. always, Jordan sends us an email beginning with, Hey, Tim and Dane and Alex. First off, I just want to mention how much I enjoyed uh, the last episode's intro. I know that the Killing Joke movie catches a lot of flack, but I loved it. And hearing Mark Hamill deliver those iconic lines from the comic was incredible. Yeah, so since Joker news dominated our last episode, I put the bit of dialogue from the Killing Joke movie where uh, Joker talks about having a past. He wants it to be multiple choice. And I agree with Jordan that sequence was great. Mark Hamill delivered those lines perfectly. 
And yeah, it gets a lot of flack. And I do agree with all the flack it gets for that Batgirl prologue. <laughs> but once the Killing Joke story actually kicks in, that's where, you know, I really did enjoy the adaption of it. So, you yeah, know, I, I agree. I, I kind of was excited for a, a prologue to um, mm-hmm. the Killing Joke, but, you know, not that. Yeah, <laughs> I know they could have done a cool prologue, but. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if you want to hear more on our thoughts on The Killing Joke, you can look back at, I don't have the episode, <laughs> that number remembered, but it was, you know, obviously a year ago, so sometime around the summer of 2016, you can hear our thoughts on The Killing Joke animated movie. But Jordan continues saying, the Joker origin film has me very excited. I think I'd prefer it if we were going to be part of the DCEU and star Jared Leto, who I loved in Suicide Squad, but I also see the appeal of this new banner of DC films in general. I think the new banner can really allow them some interesting creative freedom to tell Elseworld-type stories, just like in the comics. It reminds me a lot of what the DCU AOM line has done. Since 2014, they had their new 52-inspired shared universe, but then they also do out-of-continuity films like The Killing Joke, Batman and Harley Quinn, and the upcoming Batman Gotham by Gaslight. I think we could see a similar situation on the live-action side of things. As for the movie itself, the names attached are very exciting to me. I'm a big fan of Todd Phillips' Hangover trilogy. At first, I was a little skeptical of a comedy director for this type of movie, but then once I thought about it more, I realized it might be a match made in heaven. The Joker is a clown. Not only that, but if they pull from his killing joke origin, he was a comedian prior to becoming the Joker. Therefore, a comedy director might be a perfect fit. As for Phillips' co-screenwriter, his name gives me a lot of confidence too. Scott Silver wrote 8 Mile, The Fighter, and The Finest Hours, all of which I'm a fan of, especially The Fighter. I think he could help Phillips with more of the dramatic aspects of the film that perhaps Phillips isn't as experienced with. Then there's Martin Scorsese, who is who it looks like is just going to produce the movie. I don't think that name needs any explanation for why it excites me. It's great to have him attached as well. The way the film has described sounds pretty cool to me. Basically, everything about this movie makes it sound like a mix of my two favorite Joker comics, Killing Joke and Joker. While I think the Joker can be done great without a set origin, see the Dark Knight, I think it could be done equally well with an origin. While the Killing Joke allows you to interpret for yourself whether his, the origin told in it is true or not, I love that origin, so I chose to think that it is. Perhaps this movie will pull from that. As for why it reminded me of Brian Azzarello and Lee Bermejo's Joker comic, that is because that is a comic that focuses almost exclusively on the Joker with Batman barely being in it. I don't know if they're planning to use Batman in this film, or even in a small role, but if they're not, then I think the, that comic sets the template for how to tell a Joker story with minimal involvement from the Cave Crusader. Yeah, that's I how know. I didn't think about... I'm sorry, go ahead, Dave. I was just going to say, I don't know. I don't I don't think the, the Joker origin story is going to be... Is a, is a good idea. You know? I think... I mean, I mean, no matter what I read, I mean, Martin Scorsese's part of it. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio might play the Joker. It's, I don't, I think we need another Trinity film. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we just need one more before we start doing all of this. Like I said in uh, the the previous podcast. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean there too. But at the same time, I what Jordan said about you know being a little bit inspired by the Joker comic by Brian Azzarello. That's something I didn't think about when the whole news came out. Not necessarily the story is being told, but how it handled 
you know, story just about the Joker and they did it really well. So if it can, you know, capture the essence of, you know, telling a story like that with a different story like that, but with the Joker and having Batman's role being it so small because he just showed up at the end there and it, but it worked really well. So I am curious if they're even going to attempt to have Batman in there. It's kind of makes me think, you know, they can't resist <laughs> to use Batman out of end secrets or something like that. So it's going to be interesting, but that comic does show it can be done in a way that works. So I agree with on that one, Jordan, but he goes on to say, as for the Joker and Harley Quinn movie, that has me quite excited as well. Coming off the heels of the Joker origin film news and being slightly disappointed that that it would be or that it wouldn't be a place where we'll be seeing more of Jared Leto's Joker. The idea that there would be another movie in the works in which we would see more of Jared Leto's Joker lifted my spirits. I had my fair share of issues with Suicide Squad, but the two biggest highlights for me were Leto's Joker and Margot Robbie's Harley. To now be getting a film focused specifically on the two of them appeals to me a lot. As with the Joker origin movie, the names behind the project make me excited as well. John Requia and Glenn Fisara are in talks to write, direct, and produce. They have worked with Robbie before, having written and directed Focus, as well as having directed Whiskey Tango Foxtrot. Focus is one of my favorite films of all time, and Whiskey Tango Foxtrot was quite good as well. In terms of what I would see this, or what I would, uh, let me start that again. In terms of what I could see this Joker and Harley Quinn movie being, I could see it taking from that Joker comic somewhat too. We don't know if Batman will appear in this film either, but if he doesn't, they could go, uh, Go to that Joker comic for reference for telling a Joker story without his arch nemesis, especially since the comic features Harley as well. Yeah, for the Joker and Harley movie, I I really hope it's kind of a mad love type story. I would love to see that adapted. Even we got a little bit of it in Suicide Squad, but uh, it's such a great story that if they did a more traditional adaption of it for a movie, I think that would be great. But it's going to be interesting to see what direction they go with and. I just know, Jordan, you've seen a lot more movies than I have because all the movies that uh, these creative people have worked on before, I haven't seen any of them. But you definitely have. It's good to know that, you know, they have some pretty good track record there. But he continues saying, so how about that Dick Grayson casting for Titans? I'm a fan of it. Brenton Dwight's is a bigger name than they cast for Raven or Starfire. I'm more familiar with him than I am with uh, Tegan Croft or Anna uh, Diop. Hope I said that last name right. Uh, I did see him in The Giver, and I thought he did a very good job in that. As I suspected, following uh, Diop's casting, they did indeed go older for Dick as well, casting him around Diop's age. My guess is that they will explore Dick and Corey's relationship on the show quite a bit. I'd imagine that they will then go closer to Tegan Cross's age when casting Beast Boy. My only concern is how much of their money they just spent getting a, as big a name as Dwight's. All in all, it's just so good to finally get Dick Grayson back in live action after 20 years. I'm really excited to see Dwight's bring him to life. Yeah, that's a good point because the last Dick Grayson we saw in live action was Chris O'Donnell. <laughs> and we know that wasn't the very best portrayal. But, I mean, you know, just thinking about it, he's going to be uh, the new actor, Brenton Dwight's. He's going to be the third live action uh, Dick Grayson. Because all we had was Burt Ward and uh, Chris O'Donnell. And giving the you know, long history of Robin of being almost as old as Batman. You've only had, you know, the, those three. Well, I shouldn't say just three because I don't remember the actor's name, but he was in the old 1940s serial. So <laughs> I should, shouldn't forget about that one. But, uh, yeah, this, it's been a while since 
Dick Grayson has appeared in live action and it's been much too long. He deserves to have a truly great live action performance. So hopefully Titans will deliver on that. But Jordan continues saying there was also some news about Gavin O'Connor being the writer of and in talks to direct Suicide Squad too. I was a little bit disappointed that uh, Juame Colette Sarah isn't going to be doing it after all. But this sort of erased that disappointment. I love what O'Connor did with the accountant. And I think he could potentially give us more grounded task force, a more grounded task force X film than the first one. I'm writing this email a little later in the week than I usually do. Part of the reason for this is because I was at Dragon Con here in Atlanta over Labor Day weekend, which was a ton of fun. I met a bunch of great people, went to a lot of awesome DC related panels and got to see and take pictures with Michael Rosenbaum. Yeah, I did get to see those pictures, Jordan, and that was really cool. You got to, I think if I saw it right, you took two pictures with Michael Rosenbaum, which was cool. And the best one, I think, is where he's holding the Flash figure. So (laughs) um, don't know if you gave that to him, but so that was cool. But I'm curious if you had a chance to, I know those things move so fast. You don't have too much to chat with him about or say too much to him. But I'm curious if you did get to say anything to him. Did you ask him more about? Uh, his time as Lex Luthor on Smallville or his portrayal of Flash on Justice League. So those are two great performances by him. And I think it would be hard to choose which one you would like to maybe mention to him with such a short amount of time. So let me know in the next email what you got to talk to him about. That would be cool. But he continues saying, the other reason I'm emailing a little later is because last week's was annuals week. So I wanted to wait until I read Batman 30 to write in so that I could share my thoughts on it. I was very glad to hear that you enjoyed Batman number 29 as much as I did, Tim. That was such a great issue. In my opinion, Batman number 30 continues the level of quality from Batman number 29, as well as the quality from the first Kite Man interlude, which it follows up. Spoilers. As I expected, or as I expected would happen after the way Batman 29 ended, Batman has indeed sided with the Riddler. The Riddler seemed like the lesser of two evils to me, and apparently Batman agreed. I feel like more than any other issue of the war of jokes and riddles so far, we really got to see the interactions between the different villains on each side of the conflict. Kite Man was sort of in the middle of it, and Tom King continues to do brilliant things with him. I just felt so bad for him throughout the entire issue. King tends to do, uh, to do this thing where you hear a conversation play out between two characters while on the page. What you're seeing is something else, and I think he is a master at that. In this issue, as the action is playing out, we are treated to a heartbreaking conversation between Kite Man and his son. It made me really sympathize with Kite Man. On an episode quite a while back, you guys were discussing who the most sympathetic Batman villains are. Mr. Freeze and Francis Gray from the animated series The Batman were my top choices. Kite Man might be number three for me now. King has made him one of my favorite Batman villains. Yeah, you'll hear my thoughts on it shortly, Jordan, but I will agree with you that King does a great job of, you know, having a monologue and dialogue go on to uh, over the panels that we see that are having completely different actions and he makes them work really well. So I thought that was the best part of the one of the early issues of the I Am Suicide storyline, which, you know, I wasn't a big fan of. But I did like how he incorporated that aspect to it. He does a good job with that. So I do agree there. But before I get to my actual questions, I just wanted to see if you started season two of Teen Titans yet, Tim. If so. Did you think How Long It's Forever is as amazing as I do? Well, Jordan, I did start season two. I watched the first two episodes. And yes, How Long Is Forever was quite good. <laughs> I, when I watched it, I 
because the whole point of that episode is Starfire gets transported into the future. I believe it was 20 years into the future. And she meets older versions of the Titans, a cyborg and <laughs> a balding, fatter beast boy <laughs> who looked funny, a raven, then Dick as Nightwing, which was really cool to see. And when I saw it, I, I must have forgot about it. But when I saw Dick show up as Nightwing, it, I remembered it like, oh, yeah, I, I forgot. I seen images out there like years ago that Teen Titans did have a version of Nightwing and this is where it was from. So it was really cool. I thought they did a great job with uh, having Nightwing be in this episode for a little bit. That was probably my one nitpick was it would have been cool if it was a two parter or maybe just have more in Starfire and Nightwing working together, kind of doing more than just one sequence at the end because it was just really cool to see this version of Dick Grayson as Nightwing. I thought they did a great job. Then the episode afterward were, was every dog has its day where beast boy gets <laughs> mixed up for an alien dog and becomes the pet for this alien, which is a, one of those uh, funny teen Titans episodes that had a lot of moments that made you laugh. So season two is off to a good start. Like I said, I've only seen the ones that dealt with Terra, but I'm looking forward to seeing the season as a whole. And I'm going to be watching those episodes again anyway, that I already saw. So it's off to a great start, but his door his questions are which of the dark multiverse Batman are you most excited for? For me, it's the Batman who laughs. He's absolutely terrifying. And I think the idea of a Joker version of Batman is pretty fascinating. It's actually something the animated series, The Batman, sort of explored. Also, his Robins are pretty disturbing as well. James Tinian the Fourth is going to be writing his one sh- or going to be writing this one shot. So that has me very excited as well. Yeah, for me, uh, first I should probably say I I probably won't be getting all the one shots of these dark multiverse Batman. There's just kind of too many to go in with all the comics I already have. So I'm going to have to pick and choose, but the ones I'm most excited for one of them's on a visual level. The other is on the story level on a story level. I can't wait to see uh, the Dawnbreaker Batman, which is the Batman who gets the green lantern ring and the description they had for it, where uh, Bruce, after he loses his parents, uh, he follows the gunman who kills him and in this universe, the Green Lantern ring senses, you know, the willpower that the young Bruce has and he gets the Green Lantern ring. And instead of, you know, what he Bruce, you know, not killing, uh, he actually is still angry at the love of his parents in this moment. And he kills the gunman with his ring. And it becomes, I guess, this uh, kind of evil version of a Green Lantern for this uh, dark universe uh, Batman. And that has me intrigued to see who this what this evil Green Lantern version of Batman will do. I will say his costume isn't the coolest as I expect the dark evil uh, Green Lantern Batman to be. But like I said, the story has me very intrigued. But the one I think looks the coolest is Batman the Merciless, who is pretty much the Ares version of Batman. Uh, I believe that's how his connection is going to be, where maybe he takes the power of Ares, Wonder Woman's villain. And I always love the design of Ares' costume and seeing that mixed with Batman, I think it's really cool. So those are the two I'm most looking forward to. I don't know if you... Uh, following the lead up to the dark multiverse batman dane with that picture yeah. that has that shows all of them so <laughs> no not really just... but um i was just thinking you know if you combine plastic man with batman <laughs> is it, that's pretty much the most unstoppable superhero right i think it has to be i mean yeah, yeah forget the green lantern ring forget the uh, batman have superman's powers if you yeah. can be elastic and to stretch everywhere yeah yeah because <laughs> i stop. mean superman can fly and stuff and you know but he can't stretch yeah <laughs> so 
That's true. I mean, there's no denying it. Batman has the the, the ace card up his sleeve if he's combined with Plastic Man. So, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that, Tim. Whenever that's going to happen. <laughs> I know. Well, maybe if it was at the point where there was so many tie-ins that you didn't know which one to get, there would be a Plastic Man version of Batman. But <laughs> they're I guess kind of keep it trying to keep it in check in this one where there's not so many tie-ins. So no uh, Plastic Batman game. Sorry. Oh man. <laughs> I would love to see that though. <laughs> but Jordan's second question is I guess this question is just for Tim, but what would you think about Huntress returning to Arrow? The TV show that uh, Jessica Dago was starring on got canceled, and according to Mark Guggenheim, she has expressed an absolute willingness to come back, and they have plans for what they could do with her. Huntress was one of my favorite characters at the beginning of Arrow, and the way her last episode appearance ended made it seem like she could be redeemed. I would love to see her return in season six and work with Team Arrow for a while. Yeah, for Huntress, I, I don't know, I guess I'm kind of indifferent about it. I thought the first uh, story arc she'd appear in in season one was really good with her and Oliver working together. Didn't really care for her appearance in season two, which was, you know, they call it. Uh, what was the episode? Oh, yeah, Birds of Prey. And just to kind of give a little nod to, you know, the team up of. You know, Birds of Prey in the comics with Huntress and Black Canary, but they were at odds with each other. It just didn't really work. And yeah, if she comes the way I would probably be excited for it if she came back and, you know, especially with the new Black Canary they have now on Arrow, if they can really kind of form a Birds of Prey type group, that would be pretty cool. So we'll have to wait and see how they handle it. I kind of hope, it's, like you said, she would join Team Arrow or at least be, you know, working with them instead of being, you know, uh, a villain of the week type uh, episode where they have to take her down again. That would be kind of wasteful in my opinion. So if she does come back, hopefully she'll you know be working with them instead of fighting him this time. I wonder if she's going to have her motorcycle. I think she has to. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to remember if she did in the last one where she was in. I want to say yes. Because when was it season two? She was last on the show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, I think she just... I know she killed... Oh, she killed the person who killed her father, I believe. I've, yeah. It's been a while since I've seen that episode. But she did, I think, get revenge on what she wanted to do and kind of left on bad terms with everybody. But so. Oh, yeah, that's right. That was kind of in that house thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, so you know, like Jordan said, it, there should be hopefully an opportunity where she gets to redeem herself and be part of the teams. And like I hope that is the way to go. So not, don't have her be kind of this you know, yeah. anti-hero type thing where she's going to be against them because they already kind of have someone like that last season named Vigilante who they never even said who he was and you know we were expecting her to come back in season six and hopefully get that answer so you don't want to have two of those type of characters out there Is, uh, uh, maybe maybe she will be uh, Vigilante <laughs> maybe uh, she'll reveal herself that she was Vigilante the whole time but I doubt it, it. <laughs> Is um, Black Canary still on the show? Which one? <laughs> There's more than one? Yeah, they brought it because you know Laurel Lance yeah. died in season four. Oh, she did. And, I yeah. didn't even know that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But they brought her Earth Two version uh, <laughs> into the main Earth, who is Black Siren. She's a bad guy though. Black but, Siren. Yeah. Okay. They did get a new Black Canary, and here's the frustrating thing with Arrow is regarding Black Canary. They, I think, they really messed it up. The, this new Black Canary that they got now yeah. is what they should have done for the very get go. It's more uh, comic accurate where, you know, she wasn't Oliver's uh, 
girlfriend back in high school and all that or in college. They yeah. just she's just a character who shows up, you know, makes herself known to Oliver. They work together, then they eventually will probably fall in love, like the traditional Green Arrow, Black Canary stories. Yeah. So this is what happened in the show. Just uh, I think it was a Central City police officer. Uh, it ties into the Flash a little bit, where the she became a meadow human uh, during the accident that uh, transformed uh, Barry into the Flash. When that went off, I'm tr- blanking on the name of that right now. I don't know why <laughs> they say it so much in the in the Flash, but uh, the reactor that went off that caused everyone to become meta human. She got her screaming powers from that, and she uh, works her way into you know teaming up with Team Arrow to. Uh, uh, she, last season she first showed up so she teamed up with yeah. Team Arrow and then because uh, once Laurel died they were kind of looking for a replacement for her to take on the mantle of Black Canary so they met up with her and eventually she was kind of reluctant at first but by the end of the season and in season 6 I think she will be officially called the Black Canary but she was always kind of leaning towards becoming that throughout season 5 and yeah she's a good Black Canary it's just a shame it took you know, two other black canaries to get <laughs> to the more traditional version. So, so, so they they had the original Laurel Lance. I don't um, remember her. Her sister was the first black canary in season two. Oh Sarah, which in my opinion is still the best black canary, even though it was a new character. But <laughs> so, so they they had the original one. Then they had Laurel. Mm-hmm. Then they had then they brought in one from. Uh, the multiverse. Mm-hmm. So this is a new one. So they had yeah, four. So you're right. So technically, maybe it's kind of the fourth one if you want to look at it that way. <laughs> so they had four black canaries. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and yeah. and and where's uh Sarah? I remember she she was a big thing in uh, season two. Mm-hmm. two? Yeah, yeah. That's her. She's she's on the DC Legends of Tomorrow TV shows. Traveling through time. She's a time traveler? Yep. <laughs> okay. And uh, what happened to uh, Felicity? Yeah, she's still there. Yeah. She's still helping uh, Oliver out. Unfortunately, the season five was good where they didn't do too much on the Felicity Oliver yeah. relationship. But then at the season finale, they kind of hinted that it might be coming back. Like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> The thing that dragged the show down so much, and when it wasn't there, it made the show so much better. And then you're gonna go back to it. So well, it's like, like Smallville. It's, it's it's like Smallville with Lana, right? Because we know, yeah. we know Clark always ends up with Lois Lane, right? Yeah. And yet you're gonna put all that Lana stuff in there. I mean, I know they're ch- uh, high school sweethearts or whatever, but you know, it's we already know he ends up with, with Lois. So yeah, it's, same it's thing with things. Oliver. Yeah, Oliver and Felicity. No, it should be Oliver and Black Canary. That's yeah, yeah, right, right. But I was, I was saying it's, yeah, it's the okay. same thing with Oliver and Felicity. It's like we know who it is. Just you know, just forget yeah, about this Felicity thing. He had the little fling. It was an awful <laughs> season. <laughs> so let's leave it, leave it for that. <laughs> leave it there. And, and and what happened to the the um the woman from the island? Uh, which one? Uh, the, oh, uh, um, oh, yeah, the one that Slade was in love with too. Her and Oliver. Yeah, yeah, her and yeah. Oliver were in love with her. Yeah, she just died. She died on the island. Oh, in, in that episode, yeah. they haven't brought her back. No, well, she, her twin sister came back in season oh, three. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! 
she has a twin sister that she never but brought up I forgot about once. that, but I remember she was, yeah, in the season three flashbacks, yeah. <laughs> she has a twin sister that, that, that she hasn't brought up once, and it's not mentioned that Oliver doesn't know about even though he spent, like, five years on that island. Well, she was only there for, like, about a year or so, maybe not even that on the island. Yeah, but there's, so, was, there's only so much you can do on, on an island. People <laughs> get, <laughs> well, that's why... That's why he wasn't on the island for some of those oh, years. Oh yeah, I forgot. He, he wasn't on the island. Apparently, he he was doing some work for uh, who was it? Was it Amanda Waller? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. What, then this last season, he was in Russia. Yeah, so he <laughs> was actually, all over the world. It was a good. It was a good season for the flashbacks. So it was good. So he went all over the world, and they dropped him off back on the island. Yeah, he wanted to go back there. Yeah. Okay. And then, yeah, the the final season finale, it did a good job of linking up because the flashbacks are over now. They told the yeah. five years that he was been missing, and it led up to uh, in a nice way to the premiere episode of the first season of how he got off. So just more happened than they let on in the very first episode. So, you know, watch they're gonna um, they're gonna get rid of all of the black canaries, and then they're gonna be like Laura Lance had a twin sister. This is <laughs> this is Laura. Lance. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that seems like a season 12 type thing <laughs> where they're all out of ideas. <laughs> that they do that. And is uh, Talia still on the show? Oh, uh, yeah. She was, I thought they yeah, did they, a really good uh, Talia. They did, yeah. yeah. She For showed sure. up this season and she was the one who really, you know, gave Oliver his final training to be the Green Arrow like in his actual... She gave him the suit that... Uh, he oh. wore in season one, so that was really good. Does uh, Talia have a twin sister that nobody oh, knows she, about? Well, yeah, she did have a sister. Her sister showed up before she did. Remember her sister, Nisa Al Ghul, showed up in season two. Oh, right, right, yeah, yeah. And Talia just showed up this past season in season five. Yeah, but she probably has a twin sister, too. If, uh, <laughs> Another one? <laughs> yeah, if, if she doesn't make it through. Yeah. Um, oh, well... But yeah, I like I know we're kind of joking about it now, but I really, really like season five of Arrow, and I'm excited for yeah. season six. I'm just hoping it keeps on the upward trajectory despite Felicity and Oliver relationship so, stuff being yeah. hinted again. <laughs> yeah, it's just out of context. It's kind of funny. Yeah, like, <laughs> You're definitely- you know, they, they had four black canaries technically, and then you know uh, that that woman on the island magically had some twin sister that nobody heard about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah. So all the shows should be coming back next month. I mean, I'm hoping Flash has a bounce back season. Season three, while not horrible, was a little step down from season one and two. Yeah, Legends of Tomorrow season two was really, really good. I thought that might have been the best DC show out of all of them last year. It was just a lot of fun. So hopefully they can continue that. Is uh, Superman still on that show? Uh, Brandon Routh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's still the Adam. Because because I remember he was a love interest for somebody on uh, Arrow. For Felicity in season three. Oh, for Fli- Felicity, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's, wow. much, he's, he's serving a much better purpose on Legends of Tomorrow than he did on Arrow. Yeah. <laughs> but he's great, though. He's, he's one of the best characters on the show. He's so funny. Does he still play Adam? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And they are time travelers. Yep. They're there to fix any like time anomalies that they detect to make sure nothing upsets the <laughs> the time stream. Uh, and, but yet, in the meantime, they cause some trouble themselves. <laughs> yeah. 
Have they done a big crossover with like Legends Legends of Tomorrow and Arrow and Flash? Yeah, Supergirl. This past this past uh, season they did. It was a four part or technically a three part crossover, which was really oh. cool. But there's a Legends of Tomorrow episode you should probably check out where they go back uh, to uh, late 60s, early 70s, where they encounter a college George Lucas. And True. it was actually a really good episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why? It was funny I mean, where I mean, they why? do something, they interfere with yeah. something with Lucas that causes him not to make Star Wars. <laughs> and then Ray Palmer, the Atom, and uh, Steel, uh, Nathan, I think his name is Nate. Yeah. Uh, he was one of the new characters brought in and he steals an archaeologist and Ray Palmer, you know, he's, you know, uh, uh, like a scientist, uh, like a physicist, someone who got inspired by Star Wars in his field. And the archaeologist still got inspired by Indiana Jones. And because Lucas never went on to make Star Wars, they start losing their knowledge because they are never inspired to go to school and do what they do because those movies never came out so it was pretty funny a clever way to work them in there oh i see it was just kind of like a one-off episode kind of thing yeah (laughs) well i mean if if you're enjoying it tim because like after was it season three that they started doing the uh no season three was that mayor guy that was that was bad right for what show you Uh, arrow arrow no, that was season two. Season two, with, yeah. And then but that was—that's actually Arrow's best season, though. <laughs> season three was the the first episode was when Felicity and uh, Oliver go on that date, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's where, where season three is where start Arrow Arrow kind of started to slip a little bit for me. So three and four, then. Yeah, four is really really not good. <laughs> well, what happens in that one? Just like I said, all the Felicity and Oliver stuff. Oh. I didn't really care for the villain with Damien Dark. And they they went a lot of supernatural route stuff where I think Green Arrow works better when, you know, dealing with more street level crime villains in those scenarios. So Yeah, season four was not that good. So was it the thing where it was like, Oh, you know, I I love her but I can't be with her kind of thing? Of course, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it stretched out for all twenty two episodes or whatever. Yeah, well, almost two seasons when you count season three. Yeah. So. <laughs> oh, well, anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I'll, I'll sure I'll be giving reports on the upcoming seasons throughout the course of when it airs and when we record episodes. So I'll still continue to watch them because I'm still enjoying them. Yeah, and also um, I, I want to hear your opinions about the new season of Gotham because I, uh, I heard the last season was good, too. It was in, uh, yeah, you brought up Gotham. Did you happen to see the latest trailer for it? No, I did not because I not really interested in that show. Well, this one kind of made me a little more skeptical. I was uh, more excited for the season, but then which they're going they for it now. Uh, they're going for it already. Bruce in costume. Really? Not not Batman, but as cheap of a makeshift batman suit you can get <laughs> i was like uh, don't go there just yet no and uh, his costume does not look good i'm sorry <laughs> it, 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 is it practical or is it like a full built you know suit kind of yeah thing? it's just a suit i would like it if it was uh, more practical where you know it's like a just like the year one hoodie you know yeah exactly yeah 
again, he's still too young to even doing this, and they're ready to give him a mask. I think he's pretty sure he has a cape too. Yeah, it's like everything except the the bat ears <laughs> and like the bat themed shaped of like his gauntlets and cape and all that. This, yeah, it looks too cheesy. I'm sorry, it does not look good. So it's not a villain this time. No, <laughs> villains have me excited for this season. Scarecrow looks really, really cool. He, I mean, his, he looks perfect as Scarecrow's mask and the way they're doing the fear toxin looks really good. So yeah. I'm just the only thing is Bruce being Batman this soon and his makeshift pre-Batman suit not looking too good. Uh, you see, I, I, I knew it. I knew they were going to yeah. do it uh, the, before even Gotham came out. You know, right when it was announced, I knew it. I knew it. I knew they were going to put uh, Bruce in a in some kind of pre-Batman suit. Yeah. And he's just way too young. Just way yeah. too young. I mean, he can't be fighting crime. I mean, this, this is like way before... I don't know, too. I don't know. Yeah, they did a good job of setting up, you know, him beginning his training at this age, but yeah. he hasn't had enough training to already start suiting up and... I'm predicting they'll they'll be calling him Batman by the season four finale. Just watch. He's gonna have a full Batman <laughs> costume and yeah, and already going this far. Oh, so, Gotham should be interesting this season. Like I said, I'm excited for certain things about it and really skeptical about all this stuff. So yeah, so definitely tell me what you think about it. Yeah, when because, the premiere comes, I'll give a review on it. Yeah, because I really, really want to know how they're going to pull this off. Yeah, me and too. <laughs> and if it works. Yeah. You know, so. um, anyway, that's, yeah, that's our email from Jordan. Thank you, Jordan, for your email as always. Yep. Um, so are you going to be doing a podcast now? Well, that's right. Yeah, Jordan did uh, tweet out you're going to be starting a podcast. And you know what? Now that we brought it up. I know. I've, yeah. I'm going to look it up right now because I want to give Jordan a shout out. So I'm going to look that up right now. I sh- probably should have looked it up sooner. It's probably but. something <laughs> simple too, like that, that we would immediately remember. Yeah, it is nothing but, really hard, but <laughs> yeah, it's not Mark Tiberius Lemke, Chicago Blackhawks. Fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So want to make sure we give Jordan his his due. So yeah, what is it? Yeah, so Jordan's podcast is going to be called Multiverse Musings, a DC Comics podcast. So Multiverse um, Musings. Yeah, it looks like their first episode is going to premiere on September 23rd, and they're going to cover all DC films, TV, comics, pretty much everything with DC. So that's cool. you got another avenue to geek out with Jordan for a podcast, so we'll look forward to checking it out, and you know, we'll help pass the word on, or the word about it along the way when your first episode comes out. So that's cool. No, we won't. That's our competition, Tim. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's going to eat into our streams of revenue that we get in oh, yeah. <laughs> from podcasting. Our zeros and zeros of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course we'll we'll uh, we'll tell people about it. Um, um, so yeah, th- thank you, Jordan, for uh, your email. We always enjoy reading them. Hopefully, hopefully now, Tim, he'll keep on sending in those emails when he's doing his podcast. Yeah, hopefully you won't get too big, Jordan, where you won't have yeah. time to eat. <laughs> yeah, you won't forget about the little guys over here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but now we can get into comic book reviews. Um, uh, like we said at the beginning of every single comic book review, this is going to contain spoilers. So if you haven't read your books yet, you might want to come back to this part later. Uh, our rating scale for this episode is going to be Game, uh, Game of Thrones facts that Dane doesn't know anything about. 
<laughs> and uh, for this episode, we are going to be reviewing also Batman number 13 and Batman number 30. So, Tim, All-Star Batman number 13? Yeah. So, we're still on the first Ally arc, which I've been thoroughly enjoying, and this issue is no exception. I really like this one a lot, too. Um, I love how Snyder is matching the monologues to what we're seeing on the pages. Kind of similar to what uh, Jordan was talking about with Tom King and his stories. I I thought Snyder did a good job with that, too, because this one picks up right where the last issue left off, where... Uh, Penguin, Black Mask, and, and Tommy Elliot, he went off with them and they were shooting the hotel that Batman and Alfred were in and they had to jump off. And this uh, issue starts with them falling off and Alfred kind of giving uh, the monologue about, you know, him and Bruce, uh, Batman, Bruce still doing this as Batman and, you know, still wanting him not to do this and have Bruce to have a normal life. And he even thinks to himself, like, if something happens to me like if i quit or retire maybe batman or bruce would do the same thing like he can't do this without me or if i die and i'm no longer part of this bruce will no longer be doing this and he's kind of thinking to himself as they're falling you know maybe this is the time maybe this is it for me and this will be it for bruce's batman too maybe he can live a normal life so it, it was a good parallel between what he was thinking and he was saying to himself like am i dragging batman down or is he or is he dragging me down as we as we're both on this crusade and, you know, as he's saying that, we're seeing them fall <laughs> farther and further down. But it's just cool how I love the drawings here where uh, Batman is able to, you know, capture Alfred from falling. He, it seems impossible. It's going to be a struggle for them to both survive this. But Bruce, you know, he's not going to let his father die. And I, that's another thing I like about this monologue. Alfred keeps uh, referring to Bruce as his son. And I just love that. It's driving home that father-son relationship that they have. And Bruce or Batman, you know, his arms are up holding his cape so he can you know, slow his fall down and have him glide but he needs to hold on to alfred too and i love how he just uses his legs to grab alfred's arm kind of almost like a real bat would and just hold on to him as they're falling but it's a big struggle for him and batman even tells him like i, I got you and alfred's like no you gotta let me go so you can survive and alfred just you know just tells him let me go and he, he alfred lets go of him but batman picks him up with his hand he just goes never and you know they have a rough landing but they do make it and uh, they're able to survive. So I thought that was a pretty cool opening sequence, you know, what's going through Alfred's head throughout all this and, you know, still wanting that part of Bruce to have a happy, normal life. And what if he was the one holding him back? So just some nice parallels there that I really like. Then we get more of the flashback sequence with uh, Alfred on uh, one of his missions with uh, his mentor, Briar, trying to become uh, the slash hero slash anti-hero nemesis, the Black Knight, as they were... Um, use the word black knight here to describe him um, and alfred comes from a mission and uh, him and briar you know the sequence is them showing more of their mentor relationship like uh, alfred and bruce's and there was a moment though where after alfred comes back from his mission and uh batman there's a the comic goes back and forth between the past and the present uh Batman finds a motorcycle. He just takes it from two teenagers, which was pretty funny to go find Penguin and Tommy Elliot. But the big flashback sequence here is when uh, Alfred uh, hears a noise in his room, goes out to check out what's going on, and he sees his mentor Briar Briar there holding the helmet uh, from probably the the last nemesis. And he reveals to him that the last nemesis before Alfred was his own son, but he died. And he tells the story how, you know, most soldiers, uh, they always cry out for their parents um, when their time comes. You know, he told the story of some, uh, one of the 
recruits that he trained, you know, asked if his parents will know all the good he did. Will they know about this? And he kind of tells them that, you know, there was no way uh, he can't tell anyone about this. And then he goes on to say how his son, the last nemesis, you know, how he died trying to protect uh, his father, Briar. And uh, that's, you know, Briar was still upset about that. And he comes to the realization that for Alfred to be a better nemesis and to be the ultimate weapon, so to speak, he has to lose his, you know, attachments or connections and to have him not be remorseful or have any regrets if he was about to die or, you know, anything to compromise him in battle. So uh, Briar tells him he's going to cut him off. Like, you have one more test and that's it. Like, I, I was your first ally, but, you know, after that, I'm going to cut you off and that way it'll be better for you. You have no one to look out for, no one to concern yourself with, uh, no one to worry about. But he does say, you know, he was proud of Alfred and he just walks away. But then later on, as we see uh, Batman still tracking down Penguin and Tommy Elliott and Black Mass, uh, he locates their helicopter, but he finds they're already been, you know, taken out. They're not dead, of course, but they're beaten up and slashed. And we see that Briar is right behind Batman. And, you know, he gets slashed by the current nemesis and he knows he's talking to Alfred. And he goes, you know, call out to Alfred for me. And then he's able to talk to Alfred now in the presence. And Alfred is just pleading with Briar here, you know, just leave Bruce alone. Like whatever happened, it's between us. Like he's not a part of this. But Briar tells him, well, he's part of it now. He wants to recruit Bruce to be, you know, his ultimate weapon, the new nemesis that Alfred was going to be. And with that uh, uh, new uh the engine, the I forget the full name of it, <laughs> but they refer to it as the engine, the thing that Tommy Elliott was trying to steal in the first parts of the story and that now that the Penguin has. So uh, the thing Bruce was after uh, this whole time, uh, he's going to use that to turn Bruce you know, into his ultimate uh, machine, you know, the ultimate nemesis. And he wants Alfred to keep away. He just tells him, you know, you just stay out of this, Alfred. If you don't come and find us, I'll make sure, you know, he doesn't suffer. He doesn't feel any pain. But if you come after us, uh, I'll make sure he suffers a lot. And he'll, you know, he'll wish he was dead type of thing. So Alfred, you know, has to make the hard choice here. Do we go and save his son or does he leave him to be, you know, by betrayed by Briar like he was and become this new nemesis? And then before we get the final sequence here, Alfred uh, goes back to one more flashback where we see that he looks at this file that Briar has actually killed Alfred's real father. And this is the one thing that confused me a little bit. I might be remembering wrong, but there was that Court of Owls uh, backend story where we got a little bit of Alfred's father with the Waynes. And I thought a Talon killed him. Maybe he just injured him real bad or he wounded him, but he wasn't really dead. But I thought he did take him out. So I got might have to go back and check that out, what actually happened to his father. Because, But in this story, it's looking like that Alfred's mentor, Briar, killed Alfred's real father, that whole thing of, you know, trying not to have any connections to to like any loved ones. But the final uh, page of this is Alfred goes back to, uh, you know, the pirate base that uh, Bruce and him infiltrated, I believe, in the second issue, second or first issue, one of the early ones. And he's going to recruit these you know pirates that are there and just tells them, you know, get your guns, mate. You're coming with me. So he's going to go after Bruce and try to rescue his son like he should. So a lot of good stuff in this uh, issue. I love the flashbacks that we're getting with Alfred and Briar about his their relationship and that how it compares to Bruce and Alfred's in the present and how uh, Briar's and Alfred's past with Briar and his mentors coming back, you know, to haunt him with Bruce, his his son right now. So 
I just love all the family uh, father and son drama that we have here, even though none of them are related. But it's one of those things where family runs deeper than blood, and especially with Alfred and uh, Bruce. So good stuff here. I'm going to give this one four out of five Game of Thrones facts that Dane knows nothing about, but Tim has to give him a history lesson on. <laughs> and now for Batman number 30, The Ballad of Kite Man Part 2. So I heard a lot of great things about this one as well because I loved the first Kite Man issue with, uh, that came out a few uh, months ago. But this one, while I enjoyed it, wasn't quite as good as that first Kite Man story. But there were some great moments here. I'll get into why it wasn't as good as that one in a second. But this one is mainly about Kite Man dealing with his failures as a villain and being referred to as a joke. It starts with him and Tweedledee and Tweedledum preparing a mission to take off, uh, go to one of the Riddler's location. And they were talking about, hey, like, Kite Man, I face Batman. Riddler's not going to have anyone as tough as Batman, so this should be easy. But long and behold, Batman is there waiting for him, like Jordan alluded to in his email. Uh, Batman decided to work with the Riddler uh, in order to, you know, uh, connect a little bit to uh, the last issue where they had the dinner party. I'll get to a little bit of that at the end because that's kind of my nitpicks about this issue. But the stuff with Kite Man was great and he is becoming one of the more sympathetic villains that you try to root for. And this issue just shows him failure after failure. Like uh, Jordan mentioned in his email, we get sequences him dealing with Several villains, like I said, first with Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Then he has a confrontation with uh, the ventriloquist after Batman took Scarface. Like he was venting at Kite Man. Then we see Kite Man and Man Bat on a mission, but Man Bat gets shot out of the sky by the Batwing. He gets captured by Two Face, but uh, Two Face mentions now that Batman is working with the Riddler, they made a deal where they can't kill. So they just throw Kite Man in the swamp. And then we see him with Clue Master, but they get endorsed with Fear Toxin. Uh, Mr. Freeze gets taken out by Batman and him, and then him and Mad Hatter go on a patrol, but Batman takes the Mad Hatter, and pretty soon it's just Kite Man and the Joker. He's all Joker has left, and we just there was a great uh, moment where Joker's giving this big old speech, and he's thinking that he's rousing up the crowd and his men, but it turns out Kite Man is the only one in this massive theater, and you just see him doing these slow claps like no one is there, but eventually... He gets taken down by Batman, too, and he gets uh, ca- takes Batman and captures him. And he, it looks like he's in jail, but he's with the Riddler here. So I don't know. If it looks like they're just in the Riddler's hideout. But as we see Kite Man have all these failures, um, it has that monologue where he's having a conversation with his son that's going over to the tire issue where his son asks him, you know, mom says you're a joke. Is that true? And throughout all these events that we see in Kite Man's failure, he kind of says he tries to work his way around it, like uh, about how you know he's not a joke. But then it comes to accept it, or it comes to the acceptance that yeah, maybe I am a joke. He tells his son, but you know what? That's not the worst thing because I never quit. Like as much as I may fail, I get back up and I keep doing it. And sometimes you know it can be a funny thing if people, if you're a joke, people will laugh at you. So you you have that. <laughs> so. He kind of works his way from, you know, asking his son why would his mother say that, but then kind of make him realize it's not the worst thing that there can be. And then probably the best part of the issue is where we see Kite Man just sitting captive, and we know what the Riddler did to his son. He killed him, and knowing to be captured by the Riddler now, that has to be awful. But then you kind of get this heartbreaking monologue from his son 
uh, asking him, hey, like, Dad, uh, you know how uh, you like to fly kites, but I can't really get them to fly? Like, do you want to go outside and fly kites anyway? And Kiteman's all like, yeah, really? Like, you want to go fly them with me? And his son's all, sure, I might never give it up. It, it might fall. But if it falls, then I'm a joke, kind of like you, and I can just laugh. It will be funny, right? And you just see Kite Man remembering that, and tears fall down his face, and he just slams his face on the table, just, you know, thinking about his son. And then Riddler comes in with Batman behind him, you know, talking about, you know, like we knew like you'd be the one to to talk, so we took you in. Like you're a joke, driving home that point to him saying, you know, you're a coward, you'll always be a joke. And Kite Man has enough of the he just says oh, he doesn't say I'm not a joke, but he's referring that by saying I'm Kite Man. And that's where the issue ends. So great stuff with Kite Man and more like tragedy to his backstory when he thinks about his son. And but my problem with this issue is and why I didn't enjoy it as much as the last one with Kite Man was the status of the relationship with Batman and Riddler. Because in the last issue at the dinner party, it was established that Bruce Wayne's trying to help out one of these gangs to help end it faster. And of course, he was really gauging them as Batman to join them. Like, you know, Batman will join them to help end this work quicker and take out the other size men, which he did with the Joker. But I just don't quite get the whole point of this war is for either Riddler or Joker to kill Batman. Why is Riddler, you know, allowing Batman to work with him? I mean, it's probably going to end up being, you know, I allowed you to work with me to uh, take out the competition. Then when that's done, I'm going to kill you. But I wish we would have gotten, you know, the scene where Batman does join Riddler and he does, you know, they work out while they're going to work together. But that's one of my nitpicks of this whole story arc. We're not seeing, I think, important moments uh, that need to be shown here. And I wish we would have gotten that because, Joker and Riddler from that last issue at the dinner party, they're just expecting help from Bruce Wayne, not Batman. But Batman is working with the Riddler. So I hope we get more clarification on that. And then the other thing I had was this goes back to the first Kite Man story where there was that great moment after Kite Man's son died. Batman was there to comfort him and saying, no, I'll make the Riddler pay for this. Like, don't you worry. I'll, I'll, I'll make him, you know, I'll take care of him and bring him to justice. But then it, after knowing that, and seeing Riddler, you know, talk to Kite Man while he's captive, telling him how he killed his son, how he's a coward, and Batman standing right behind him. It just didn't feel right after Batman said all that. He'd be bringing the Riddler to justice, and he's just standing there taunting Kite Man about what he did. I know Batman's kind of has to keep face and pretend like he's working with the Riddler, so I get that. But I kind of wish there was just, on Kite Man's end, kind of, drawing back to that moment between him and Batman, like he should be calling Batman out here. Like, how could you be working with the Riddler after what you told me you do to him after what he did to my son? Like, how can you call yourself a hero or whatnot? And you're not taking him in after he did to my son. So I just wish there was a little callback to that moment. Cause it did, you know, seem a little strange to me that you got Batman and Riddler there and kite man, and no one's saying anything about what Batman told kite man. He would bring the Riddler to justice. So that felt a little off to me. So, other than that, still a solid issue with Kite Man. Again, he's probably been the highlight and breakout character of this whole uh, story of the War of Jokes and Riddles. So I'm going to give this one three and a half out of five uh, Game of Thrones facts that Dane knows nothing about that I have to give a history lesson on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I guess that's it for this episode, right, Tom? Yep. All right. We just had about everything in it. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, Game of Thrones, we had uh, some Arrow... Uh, Legends of Tomorrow and Flash Talk, and we got and the comics, a little, 
Yep, and a little Star Wars sprinkled and a little Star <laughs> of course. Um, so yeah, just go to the the the, the BatmanUniverse.net on facebookcom Universe. Twitter handle is at BatmanUniverse. The show's Twitter handle is at BatfansPodcast. If you want to email the show, you can email the show at BatfansWithoutPants at gmail.com. Uh, Tim's Twitter handle is at TimG311. And my Twitter handle is at DaneSaysBat. So with that, as we say at the end of every single episode, Tim. We love each and every one of you and all of our bad hearts. Yes, we do. So with that, we'll see you guys next time. See you next time. <laughs>